Welcome to the Beach Catholic Podcast with Father Brian Barr. In this episode, you'll have the opportunity to listen to the Gospel and Father Brian Barr's homily from this past Sunday. As always, keep an eye out for our Q&A and discussion episodes. Until then, here's the Gospel from July 9th, 2017, the 14th Sunday in Ordinary Time. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. At that time, Jesus exclaimed, I give praise to you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. For although you've hidden these things from the wise and the learned, you have revealed them to little ones. Yes, Father, such has been your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wishes to reveal him. Come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart, and you will find rest for yourselves. For my yoke is easy and my burden light. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Remember uh, who Lou Holtz, Lou Holtz was, is uh, a college football person. You certainly know who he is. He was a... Uh, Pretty successful college football coach back in the uh, it's the 80s and the 90s. He coached Notre Dame, uh, coached them to a national championship in uh, 88. Coached at uh, South Carolina, Arkansas. He was even even for the Jets. Uh, coached the Jets one season back in, uh, in the 70s. Anyway, he retired and. Uh, He's done some work. You, you might see him on TV periodically. He does stuff for uh, CBS and ESPN. Um, he's also a uh, kind of a motivational speaker. He's Catholic. He uh, generally speaks to Catholic groups. And I was watching part of a, of a talk he gave. It was to a, a group of um, Catholic business owners. And he was talking about uh, two things, really. Uh, success and humility and what he said kind of like the inseparability of those two or how you you really can't or shouldn't separate success and humility and he had these uh, these kind of like these rules for success um, and I remember uh, most of what he would say he then kind of apply it to his experience as a coach but then would say uh, but it's not about coaching I mean these things apply to kind of just a life in general, no matter what you do. And I remember this particular point he made, I thought it was pretty interesting. He said, um, don't ever humiliate the people you beat. Beat them. Just don't rub their face in it. Um, he wasn't, you know, anti-competition. He wasn't anti-winning. He said, like, win. Just don't humiliate the person you beat. Um, because for practical reasons, he said, if you do, more often than not, they're going to remember. And they're going to come back stronger. Um, his point was that humiliating people very often, not always, but very often empowers them. I think that makes sense. Um, if you beat me at something and then you laugh at me, you're just going to fire me up. You're just going to make me more hungry. You're going to want, I'm just going to want another shot at 
you, the person who's, who beat me and then who laughed at me. Uh, I think really what he was saying was this. Um, don't crush your opponent. Try to beat him, but don't crush him. It was really, it was really about, I think he was talking about uh, humble leadership. No victory laps. I think we're kind of getting that point um, from Zechariah, this Old Testament prophet we just heard from. Um, I think he kind of says the same thing. His message is pretty simple. Actually, most of the messages of most of the prophets was kind of the same. It was basically this. The king is coming. The true king. And most of us are worshipping false kings. So stop worshipping the false ones and get yourself ready for the true king. And when he comes, he's not crushing anybody. I mean, listen to these words again. Your king shall come to you, a just savior, riding on a colt, and he'll banish the chariot and the sword, and he'll proclaim peace to the nations. You know, sometimes it's good to, you know, break down some of the, some of the words of scripture. You know, you kind of hear it, and you're just sort of like, okay, you know, that makes sense, whatever. Like, he references a cult. He says, this new king, the king we're waiting for, the only real king, he'll ride in on a colt. Well, you know what that meant to us? We're like, okay, yeah, I guess he's on a colt. Like, so what? In the time when it was spoken, the time when it was written, the time when it was heard, that said something very clear. When a king rode in on a colt, he was all about peace. He wasn't coming in to conquer anybody. Because if he was, he wouldn't. A colt, you know what a colt is? It's a donkey. It's like a baby donkey. Who's going who's gonna, to who's gonna win any fights on a, on a cult? They wasn't looking to crush people. The new king. The true king. And then he says this. Uh, he's going to banish the chariots and the swords. Well, what are they? They're instruments of war. The warrior king, he's not on a cult. You know, he'd be on like a big giant steed. A big killer horse that would charge into battle and cut people's heads off. Well, that's not the, that's not the king that's described by this prophet. That's not the king we get in Jesus. He's not coming for a fight. You know, he says, Zechariah says, that this king will ride in on a colt. 500 years later, who shows up riding on a colt as he enters Jerusalem? Remember Palm Sunday? All this stuff is connected. All these prophecies, they're all pointing to Christ. You know what I think it is? In a sense, and this is sort of, this is the story of faith in a way. It's a tale of two kings. There's the king that they all wanted, the king that they all expected, the warrior king, the one on the steed. And then there's the one they got. And by the way, he's the one who's still here. 
about it. King Herod, he was sort of a warrior king. He wasn't riding on a colt. He was on a, he was on a steed. Do you know anybody anywhere who's gathering today in the name of Herod? I mean, literally, in a couple of minutes, we will all be on our knees before the, the king on the cult. Nobody's on their knees before Herod. Herod's dead. Herod's gone. Those kings, the worldly kings, come and go. But the humble one, the servant king, and my brother was, uh, was talking to one of my brothers recently, and he had just read, uh, read a book about uh, the Civil War, and he was telling me a little bit about the, the surrender uh, at Appomattox. It was pretty interesting. He talked about, or he was retelling what he read in this book about General Grant and how he was so concerned about not humiliating the South. We had beaten them, but he didn't want to crush them. He didn't want to humiliate them. Kind of for Lou Holtz's reason. He was like, if you humiliate them, if you degrade them, they're going to come back. They're going to come back and they're going to fight you more. Grant was concerned about the union, unity. Humiliating people doesn't bring about unity. Anyway, so that he, in the book, my brother was saying that like the terms of surrender were very, very simple, very quick. They could have been far more severe. This was the bloodiest war we'd ever had. Still is. Man, if there was reason to sort of want to crush the enemy, it would have been then and there. But Grant was like, no, that's not happening. It's over. We won. We had a win. We had a fight, but it's over. So there was no imprisonment for Confederate soldiers. There was no prosecution for uh, treason. Officers were, were allowed to keep their guns and their horses. Anyway, that was April 9th. Three days later, they had, there was sort of like a, a formal public surrender ceremony scheduled. And Grant wanted no part of that. He didn't want to rub their face in it. He didn't want to, what ended up happening was sort of like this picture, almost like a, I don't know, like a parade. On the side, you had all these Union soldiers and their horses standing, sitting on their horses. And then coming down the street, almost like a, like a walk of shame, with these Confederate soldiers. And they were humiliated and defeated, discouraged. Anyway, this general, I think his name was Chamberlain. He was a hero, real Civil War hero at Gettysburg and other places. He was in charge of this um, ceremony. So as these guys are, this defeated Confederates are processing past, right as they got sort of in front of the Union soldiers, he called all the Union soldiers to attention, you know, and made them salute the Confederates. They took out their swords or, you know, whatever, whatever you do to communicate honor. That's exactly what he did for these defeated Confederates. He wanted to show them respect. He wanted to show them honor. Not for what they, for what they fought for, but it wasn't about crushing them. 
You know, they beat the South, but they didn't crush the South. They could have rode in on big, giant steeds, but they chose cults. And they preserved the Union. That's the Christian message. That's what Zechariah describes 500 years before Jesus shows up. And you know what? That's not always easy, right? Isn't it sometimes tempting to run up the score? Isn't it sometimes tempting to kind of do a victory lap? Stick it in their face? Forget the colt. I want to ride on the steed. I mean, I think we all get seduced by elements of that in various ways. Remember the great scene, I thought it was a great scene in the movie uh, The Untouchables? Sean Connery's with uh, Kevin Costner. Costner, they're both good guys. Costner's Elliot Ness, he's trying to get Capone. Al uh, Robert De Niro plays Capone. Sean Connery says to Costner, if you want to get Capone, here's how you get him. He pulls a knife, you pull a gun. He sends one of yours to the hospital, you send one of his to the morgue. That's how you get Capone. I love that movie. And I, I love that line. I love that scene. But it's definitely not Zechariah's prophecy. For sure, it's not Jesus' way. But I get seduced by that. You know, we're kind of raised on a certain level to kind of be, I don't know, wired toward that. You know, I mean, if you kind of keep it in its proper place, fine. I'm not saying don't watch the movie. But that line, man, that's not, that's not Jesus' talk. And hey, you know what? They had to get Capone. Capone was a bad guy. It was like slavery in the 1800s. It had to be stopped. Today, look at terrorism, the reality of it. Get some lunatic Muslim who straps a bomb to himself and walks into an airport. He's got to be stopped. Some savage who beheads a, a person because of their Christian faith. That has to be stopped. And sometimes I guess you do need to be on a steed. But you know what? You kill that guy, somebody's going to take his place. You're just going to enrage his son. Kill his son, you'll enrage the grandson. And again, I'm not saying, I'm not naive, I'm not saying, so let's just, you know, open up our arms to ISIS. Of course not. They've got to be stopped. But you know what, they, what really needs to happen? Conversion of these twisted people. Conversion of heart. Because they're worshiping a twisted king. A false king. The true king will slay the false king. Not so much with a, with a sword, but with truth. So what's your false king? Come on, we're all, we're all slaves to some false king, aren't we? Probably more than one. Something out there that just has way more of a hold of us than it should. Maybe it's greed. I'm just way too into having too much. I get consumed by it. 
I'll cut corners I have no right to cut in order to get more. And it's just not right. I'm, I'm bound to this false king. Maybe it's just comfort. Maybe I'm lazy. I ought to be more present to people than I am. I ought to be more committed to certain people than I am. But I just like kicking back. And I kneel before that false god. Maybe it's about being recognized, sort of being in the spotlight. I gotta have, I gotta have lots of people liking me and knowing my name. And I'll become whatever and do whatever and say whatever as long as I got it like the roar of the crowd. And that false god sort of paralyzes me. Man, lust. Today in this culture, the power of lust, the power of pornography, some of the just trash that's sort of mainstream now on TV, we become sort of immune to it. But it affects us. What's your false king? Well, let's be honest. Seems to me the challenge, maybe there's two things here. So number one is, i got to admit it. Yeah, I do. I do worship false kings. Number two, I've got to step away from them. saw this movie on Friday. It's uh, kind of got pretty good reviews, and it's actually doing really well. It's called uh, Baby Driver. Um, went to see it. To be honest, I was kind of disappointed with it. I didn't think it was that good. But it's about this kid who's caught up in the mob. Kevin Spacey plays this mob boss. And this kid is, uh, what he does is these, these bad guys rob banks. That's all they do is they just rob banks. And what this kid does is he's, he drives the getaway car. He's an awesome getaway person. But he wants to get away from that. He realizes this is awful what he's doing. People are dying. It's corrupt. And he tries to step away from it. He gets pulled back into it. He realizes he's kneeling before this false god. And good people come into his life. He's torn between the two. The good people are like, just, just the, by virtue of who they are, he's realized, I have got to get away from this corrupt life I'm living. He's not a bad person, but man, he's doing bad stuff. You know, at what point do we stop being, do we start becoming bad people? How many false gods do we have to kneel before, before it's sort of like, you know what? I'm not really such a good person anymore. I think it's all about these kings. And choosing the right one. And rejecting the rest. You pick the messenger. Maybe it's Lou Holt's words in that speech. It's General Grant's sensitivity to the defeated Confederates. Zechariah's prophecies. Jesus' whole life. Pick any one. It's all the same. You know what I think it's about? It is about winning. But with honor. It is about success and humility. And you can't have one without the other. So pursue one and discover the other.
Thank you for listening to this week's homily. Once again, keep an eye out for our discussion and our Q&A episodes. Don't forget, if you've got a question for Father Brian, you can send an email to beachcatholicpodcast at gmail.com or you can connect with us at facebook.com slash beachcatholicpodcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast by downloading the iTunes app for iPhones and the Stitcher app for all other devices. And as always, please share with your loved ones. We'll be back next week, and until then, God bless.